Bitcoin, crypto bubbles, passive indexation. There's a lot of financial jargon out there. Old Mutual can help you make sense of it all and give you great advice to make the right decisions. If you've got a question or want to know how to get the most out of your money, call them on 0860 60 60 60 or speak to an old mutual financial advisor or your broker. Today's the day. Get great financial advice so you can do great things. Old Mutual is a licensed financial services provider. The Money Show on 702. Your number one news and talk station. It's The Money Show here on 702, which is brought to you by Old Mutual Licensed Financial Services Provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. My name is Arabile Kumete. Standing in for Bruce Whitfield this evening. I'm from Bloomberg News. The Twitter address is at Arabile G. Of course, the charges are now brought back to life. Jacob Zuma going on trial. Uh, indeed, 16 uh, charges being reinstated then against President Jacob Zuma. Will he indeed go to jail for them? How will he be prosecuted for it? We'll try and get into all of that. What does this mean for corruption? Has Cyril Ramaphosa finally been able to breed a sense of uh, comfort with regards to South Africa's legal system, uh, a sense of a victory with regards to corruption as well. We will discuss all of that with David Lewis, uh, who is executive director at Corruption Watch. Lumkila Mondi will take some impact as well uh, um, on, on just what this means as well. South Africa's economy in check, uh, the legal system clearly continuing to work. Gary McNamara also joining us in studio as well this evening. We will get a look at the market and just how it's traded. We went from a positive just before the close of trade to a complete negative on that front as well. What happened exactly? We will find out. And of course, the brutal biz quiz coming up in just a bit. The Money Show on 702. Your number one news and talk station. Do remember you can call us on 011-883-0702-021-446-0567. And remember that audio of the show will be available on the Money Show webpage on the 702 and Cape Talk sites shortly. Go to the top menu and under stations, click on lineup. In that list, you'll find the Money Show. Or if you have an iPhone, you can go to the podcast app and search for the Money Show podcast. If you subscribe, the audio comes to you without you having to even ask for it. On the line now is David Lewis, Executive Director at Corruption Watch, as we unpack the charges against former President Jacob Zuma, which will now be reinstated. David Lewis, would you say this is a win for um, a fight against corruption? Yes, I mean, there was never going to be any other decision taken. I mean, effectively, the courts had decided that the charges had to be reinstated. Uh, Abrams then gave, the National Director of Public Prosecutions gave Zuma another opportunity, although he wasn't entitled to question, uh, to raise the grounds that he had raised previously because the Constitutional Court had already decided those did not uh, justify withdrawing the charges. But yeah. yes, it is an important day. It's a very important day. But but as I say, I'm, you know, there's no surprise in the decision that was made. Yeah. What is, what tone does this sort of set, uh, one might say, for either Cyril Ramaphosa's presidency and, of course, just uh, South Africa's democracy from here on in? Well, it's it's very important. I mean, it's it's you know it gives it has the potential to bring some closure on the arms deal, which has been, you know, you know, right at the sort of top of the agenda for a very very long time now. And most of these charges relate in one way or another to uh, the to the arms deal. In fact, 
you know, it, it does prove that, you know, though the wheels of justice may grind slowly, they grind inexorably. And, you know, people who are, are thinking about engaging in this uh, uh, scale of grand corruption should think again about the impunity that they've, uh, they've assumed. So it is a, it is a very, um, it is a very important important day. There's no there's no doubt about that. And I think that the you know the sort of open seeing Zuma in open court is going to be a sort of salutary experience for the South African public because it's where he should have been a long time ago. You know, yeah. where despite all his protestations about having his, wanting to have his day in court, in fact, he's done little else but on public money. Um, uh, sought to prevent uh, this, all of this and much else besides getting to court. So it's a, it's a very important day. Yeah, one would hope, of course, that the president is sort of set in, in a way of saying that, uh, um, you know, any charges brought against someone of high ranking as a president uh, will indeed be, be, you know, be, will face the full extent of the law, whether they are president or not. But what, what moving forward from here on in, um, does this say to South Africans that indeed the legal system is working and should we expect things to take as long as they have? I mean, this, this charge stems from at least 2007. Well, look, the judiciary has always demonstrated that it's working and it demonstrates once again the independence of the of the judiciary, which everybody should take great comfort from. I mean, I don't think this indicates that the NPA is working yet. I mean, you know, I think, you know, Abrams must be removed and there are a lot of other people besides in the NPA, by no means all people, but there are several others that need to be removed immediately. Uh, The the person who's been appointed to head this prosecution is not uncompromised herself. So... um, so, so the, the 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 criminal justice system, uh, you know, including and specifically including the Hawks and the NPA, is far from working yet. Um, you know, I would not be happy with the thought that, the, but I but I do think this that Abrams, you know, simply took the prevailing temperature of the political environment and you know decided, well, I'd better be seen to be doing something at last, something right at last. I'm not comforted by that thought. We want the head of a national prosecuting authority who doesn't take orders from anybody, yeah. whoever it is who's in power. But, uh, you know, I think there's, there's a long way to go in cleaning up the hawks in the NPA, but right. I think it's possible. And I think, you know, the first step is to appoint decent leadership of both those institutions. But it is another feather in the cap for the judiciary. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. they, they've they've consistently demonstrated their independence and we have a lot to thank them for does does this does this uh, um um would would we feel better if sean abrams wasn't at the helm during this time yeah well i think that we would i mean uh, you, you know certainly he can't be there when this thing is prosecuted and he's not going to be i mean sean abrams has got a very limited life as head of the npa there's no there's little doubt in my mind about that um, but sure, you know, whatever decision he, t- he took, I mean, you know, the, if he took a decision not to prosecute Zuma, people would say, well, there you go, he's still working for Zuma. Then he yeah. takes a decision to prosecute Zuma, 
um, will tell, uh, will will signal that he's just, as I said, um, the, taking the prevailing political temperature. The mm. fact is that he has no, he has no public credibility or or regard from the public, and he shouldn't be in the position that he's in. Yeah. Corruption Watch Executive Director David Lewis, thank you so much for your time. Lumki Lemondi, Senior Lecturer in uh, the School of Economics and Business Science at Vist University, thank you so much for your time. Your reaction to uh, these, the, the reinstatement of these charges? Uh, good evening, Arabile and your listeners. Um, we're really quite encouraged by uh, the reemergence of the rule of law, um, which is critical for us, uh, given the fact that uh, we've been downgraded by a number of rating agencies. Yeah. Uh, and as such, we wanted uh, to show the world that not only is the judiciary working, but also the prosecuting side of our state is working. Because in marketing South Africa as an investment destination, we need the rule of law to prevail. But more importantly also, we need to ensure that what uh, President Ramaphosa has been promising, particularly to a lot of investors, that, you know, we're going to clean up corruption. We're going to ensure that we act responsibly. We protect investors here who invest in our country. It becomes yeah. critical. So I'm encouraged that uh, President at last is acting and hopefully not only the act on President Zuma, but also those in the private sector that have also been caught, uh, such as the stand of Gibraltar and many others that you've seen uh, in anti-commutative behavior, including the services that you've seen. Lungile, how important is this to Cyril Ramaphosa's confidence factor, the, the confidence factor he's brought through to the South African economy, and that it continues then to stem forward and possibly to the 2019 elections for the ANC? It is a step forward, Arabile. It is a step forward because... I mean, one of the issues that really uh, had steered uh, forward academics uh, was the opportunity cost that was incurred, particularly under Zuma, uh, given the fact that the crucial state was completely undermined. So what we're seeing with President Ramaphosa is bringing back the constitutionalism to the center, but more important also really trying to steer the ship uh, carefully because we know that the job is not yet completely done. Within his cabinet, there are a lot of those that are implicated in corruption. Yeah. Uh, we saw last week Mr. Kakaba continued uh, putting um, himself in the mud. So what we want to see happening, I think next week we have Moody's coming out to the rating and we believe very strongly that I think the work that's been done in the past three months uh, should keep us where we are at the moment. However, if we're going to get others coming back, we need to do more. And what that requires, it requires a real plan around SOEs. How are SOEs going to be uh, recapitalized? Yeah, and whether yeah. is South Africa open for business to privatize some of them so that you can bring back investors to the fore? So just touching on that with ratings agency Moody's next week, Friday, said to bring out their uh, ratings announcements on South Africa. Of course, we are on the uh, lowest investment grade level on Moody's there and a downgrade on our local currency. So that's a rand denominated debt, which occupies around 10 percent of South Africa's bonds. Um, how much, you know, do you think we're getting a downgrade on that front? Do you not think we no. are? And what's the biggest no. risk factor moving forward? I think the biggest risk moving forward is really, uh, I think next week we're going to get, uh, you know, sort of uh, what to expect, which is keeping the rating the same by Moody's, uh, the domestic currency the same. So what we do expect is hard work. We expect that the Reserve Bank, the Treasury, the President 
are going to be working very, very hard because yeah. we don't have an economic plan. Arabize. We need an economic plan that's going to reassure South Africans, uh, particularly uh, the investment uh, part of us, of the South African community, yeah. that they can go back, come back and reinvest so that you can then improve in the next two years um, our rating system. But that also is going to be very much dependent um, on how much we clean up on corruption because, as I said earlier, that a number of these players are embedded in our system. Mr. Moyane is still there, and so are many others within our cabinet. So yeah. it's going yeah. to be a long, long, long road, but we need to work harder to really turn the tide around because unemployment at this level is completely unacceptable. Time to work hard, certainly for South Africa's government. It's not just about confidence factors, but certainly about how much work we actually get done. Lumkile Mondi, Senior Lecturer, School of Economics and Business Science at Wits University. Thank you so much. The Money Show. The Markets. It's 20, 23 minutes now after six. Let's get into the markets now. Gary McNamara, who's uh, from Sunlum Private Wealth, joining me in studio. What happened there is probably my big question, uh, Gary. Uh, the OSHA itself, at the end of the day, closing down nearly two-tenths of a percent, but it was up almost two-tenths of a percent about five minutes before uh, close of trade. Yeah, we were actually having quite a quiet day on the markets generally. We're up to the end of the auction, which starts at about 10 to 5. Yeah. Uh, closing day auction. We only had about 15 billion traded, and by the end of the day, it was 40 billion that had crossed uh, in the last. So 25 in the last 10 minutes of the trade. And it was largely linked to a quarterly readjustment of indexes that happens uh, in in the exchange. So shares that have done quite well from a share price point of view tend to get included, especially around that uh, 40 number level. So a lot of the market participants look at the all share top 40, which is the top 40 shares by market cap. So those shares that are around that 40 level come in and out on a quarterly basis. And obviously with the big political changes in South Africa over the last quarter, there were some significant changes. And the shares that came in were largely South Africa incorporated shares, the likes of Spa, Fashini, Trueworths, that were really having quite a tough time of it previously in the last uh, year or so. And the ones that went out were some of the the pariahs that have been mentioned uh, over the last month or so. Steinhoff was the obvious casualty. Um, And and, and that was a significant weighting in the index previously. And then some of the property stocks uh, that have been under severe pressure over the last... uh, month or so so yeah that that was the big factor that really swung it towards the end of the day it sort of makes the jsc indicative of the times though doesn't it trying to uh, it 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 almost self-regulates in the sense that it takes out what is considered bad apples and sort of keeps what it it considers are good apples if if you'd put it in that way uh taking a look at some of the movers uh today some of the gold uh, the, the the resource stocks not doing too well on that front just taking a look now impala platinum down six and a third harmony gold as well down five and uh, two-thirds of a percent, even Lonman down over five percent. What's happening in the resource sector? Yeah, it actually hasn't had a bad week uh, uh, as a whole. Uh, there's been quite a lot of foreign interest in our resource shares, um, and we had something like African Rainbow Mineral having their results out this morning that off quite a difficult base last year were up significantly uh, on the day. Uh, they were up about eight and a half percent. But yeah, the broader, the, the resources index have actually generally had quite a good time of it this week. Impala Platts is really battling with the platinum price in dollars at the moment. Obviously, the recent strength in the uh, RAND has not helped them either, and, the, and they've come under a lot of pressure uh, o- over the last month or so.
Yeah. Um, one that even released results, I think it was just yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, or the day before, uh, Old Mutual as well. Uh, quite an interesting one. They're slightly up today. What do you make of them, I mean, getting ready for their, shall we call it, decoupling as well? Yeah, I think it's something the market's been expecting for a while. And, you know, they haven't put an exact time on it. Uh, saw they sold one of their South American subsidiaries. But the results per se were actually quite good, bearing in mind one of the big... Uh, factors that will be unbundled is their stake in Nedbank, uh, which will be separately listed. They've got a wealth business overseas, which will be separately listed. And then you'll be left with what they call the emerging markets life business, which is the traditional old mutual business, then will compete on an equal fitting with the likes of a Sunlum and a Liberty and, a, and an MMI. But it's a business that's really battled over the last two or three years, particularly with their head office costs in the, in the UK. And I think an unbundling has certainly unlocked some value for shareholders over the last year. Yeah. Um, 11.97 that is for the rand uh, for US dollar that is it is down around two-thirds of a percent today um, what is driving that that's that slight weakness in the rand I mean yes fine we did see the announcement from Sean Abrams take some effect but that surely can't be it can it no it didn't really have a huge effect it 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 strengthened marginally off the announcement, but as your previous speaker said, I think the market was expecting that announcement. I think there is an increasing concern, which hasn't really been factored into the market with this expropriation without compensation. There mm. have been some foreign investors that have been visiting our shores that want to understand the impacts and things like that. And I think the market generally is quite cautious. They want to understand the rules to the game, for want of a better word. So they want to understand the Constitution will still prevail, and it's not just going to be a trust me type of scenario which has certainly been the rhetoric over the last month or so so the market for the first time is probably taking a little bit of that into account and it's a little bit of a pity because what we've really desperately needed is some growth in this market and policy direction has certainly been quite good under Cyril over the last uh, two or three months and it has added a little bit of uncertainty which is a pity because we certainly need the strong growth to create the unemployment reduce the unemployment and get the economy going because that will really get us out of the problems Where do you think we're headed overall? Um, Do you see a lot more strengthening in the RAND or do you see it sort of hovering around these levels just below 12? I think the RAND has certainly benefited from a lot of the positive sentiments over the last two or three months and I think a lot of it is on promise and I think really what's going to drive the RAND over the next six to nine months is delivery on some of those promises. It's going to take time but I think now we've really got to start getting the tacky hitting the tar and really starting to make those promises into reality. Uh, But to the stage at the moment we would suggest the RAND is slightly overvalued but it can stay significantly overvalued if you get the momentum behind it with the likes of commodity prices and a bit of growth in this economy. I think also as previously said the Moody's uh, potential rating, I don't think there'll be any change there at the moment. So the yeah. market's not expecting any change there. After that, of course, we have interest rates coming out. Uh, I mean, the, the expectation here, or considering where we stand with, with regards to confidence, the need for growth as well, would you bet your money on Lise Chakanyaho uh, not cutting interest rates? No, I think there's room for a little bit of an interest rate cut. We've had some quite good inflation numbers out recently. I think it's on the back of a strong maize crop over the last year or so. I think the RAND certainly helped that as well. And I think the the economy has battled under uncertainty, so they've kept the interest rates quite high. I think with some of that uncertainty going, there is room to cut, but we are going against a global trend where the rest of the world is starting to go up. But I would suggest there is room for some cut in the local economy. Gary McNamara from 
Sanlam Private Wealth. Thank you so much for your time. That was the market. The Money Show is brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. It's around 24 minutes to 7 o'clock on this Friday evening here on The Money Show. Former President Jacob Zuma facing trial, will face trial, um, just on case on, on, on charges of corruption, racketeering, money laundering as well. 16 charges have been brought forward, a case that has been shelved for around nine years amid allegations of political interference. It is finally Jacob Zuma's day in court. It is going to be an interesting one. How long it takes, of course, is going to be another matter. And with uh, 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 National Prosecuting Authority and Chief Prosecutor Sean Abrams at the helm, it's probably not the most ideal uh, situation itself. But let's not forget as well on the other side of the spectrum, we are seeing uh, Tom Moyane, who um, the, the, the commissioner of SARS, who now has allegations as well said against him that he helped the Gupta family with regards to a tax refund of around 70 million rand and even interfered in SARS processes and may have broken laws. Um, at the same time, former finance minister Pravin Gordon saying that very soon the leadership team at the tax agency SARS may certainly change. Of course, he was at loggerheads with the commissioner of SARS, Tom Moyane. So that in itself uh, um, bears to, to, brings to bear really a relationship that has been seething under for quite some time. The Money Show on 702. Your number one news and talk station. The best bits of The Money Show this week. Chris Skitter, Astral Food CEO, explaining to Bruce in the week why exactly chicken should be included in vat-free, in the, in the vat-free basket of goods. Of course, that was a big discussion following, of course, the 15% uh, announcement or the announcement that vat would now become 15%. Let's take a listen. We need uh, meat as a protein source. Chicken fills that gap. The value proposition that it offers is definitely in that uh, category or segment that government should be review. Uh, it is the preferred third source, but it's also the value proposition. So we, we've looked at it, we've argued it, cross-argued it, and uh, there's a very solid argument that chicken should be included without taking anything away, obviously. If it's going to have a negative impact on beef, one never knows. But uh, at least um, we can ensure then that people will have a decent source of meat protein in the country. Why it's been excluded is maybe 25 years ago, the profile looked very, very different. Today, we have managed to make uh, or put chicken in that category that gives you the best value proposition and therefore it should be considered seriously by government. National Treasury, of course, has been discussing whether to include more goods in the vat-free basket of foods. Speaking of National Treasury, Nicky Newton-King, who is the, J- the CEO of the JSC, uh, was in the United States with uh, Finance Minister Ntlantlanene, and they were on a roadshow meeting uh, possible investors. Uh, and Bruce asked her, what are the shareholders saying about the changes they have seen happen in the last few months in the country? Well, firstly, the medium-term budget statement set an extremely stark view about the future financial uh, trajectory of this country unless we got certain things right. And then what the investors are telling us now is that with the change of the president, a very clear State of the Nation address, clear, uh, clearly articulated focus on the things that are problematic in our, in, in, in our country, for instance, uh, ESCOM, for instance, the issue of, of land, for instance, the nature of the 
state wage bill and state capture, clearly focusing on those and plans to address uh, uh, all of those. Very important in providing certainty to the investors that this is a country that is serious about tackling the things uh, that, that pull us down. At the same time, also serious about things that build us up, like growth. And the Treasury has been articulating, I think, a very compelling story of, of growth, um, both based on three consecutive quarters of growth uh, in, in already, but also based on national sentiment, a change in national sentiment, and, and then focus on regulatory interventions and things like telecoms uh, and the mining charter and the like helping. Well, Arthur Goldstruck, who is founder and managing director at Worldwide Works, also spoke to Bruce this week. And that was about a new research released about South Africa's brands. And that's just on big social networks. Let's take a look. What we found is that brands have no idea who's really influencing uh, engagement or activity on their accounts. So we were able to ultimately measure the activity of more than 5 million people engaging with these brands, with just 50 brands. And out of those 5 million, we found that 355,000, so around 67% of the total number of people engaging with the brands, actually were having an influence on other users uh, on the uh, internet and on social media, getting them to interact with the brand as well. And why that's important is because brands uh, traditionally pay what they call influencers, people who've got a big following on social media. They pay them large amounts to be their brand ambassadors, uh, so to speak. In some cases, simply to tweet on their behalf or to post on their behalf or just to repost, retweet and the like. And in fact, those are not necessarily the people who are having the biggest impact. And what we found was exactly that, was that the, uh, the, the, the biggest followings did not translate into the biggest influence. And, and it just goes to show that consumers aren't stupid. I mean, the, in the era of social media, I think everybody's assumed that people on social media are pretty thick and that you can uh, get a message through using a highly paid uh, celebrity influencer to, to drive sales or to, to drive brand. And you're proving that to be false. Exactly, exactly that. And uh, in fact, for, for every social media platform, the uh, influence of the... Uh, the celebrities, so-called, is, is very different, and different kinds of people have a big influence in different uh, social networks. So the most interesting of all was that on Twitter, uh, for example, the most influential people were those who were regarded as the most authentic, and you had the strongest message to put across, rather than those who had the best hairstyle or had the most uh, TV appearances, for example. So on Twitter in particular, you find that uh, influencers tend to be paid by brands based on how famous uh, they are. And in fact, the, the actual influence is based on how authentic you are and not necessarily because you're a celebrity. Well, Barclays Africa's chairperson, Wendy Lucas-Bull, was this week's Make Money Monday special edition guest. She told Bruce about her earliest memory of dealing with money. My earliest memory are those those little money boxes that they used to hand out as part of their savings campaigns. So my earliest memory is kind of feeding coins into those little money boxes. What did they look like? They looked like a little book. And they had, so they were kind of leather 
leather, leather, they looked like a little leather-bound book, but in, in miniature, and it had sort mm-hmm. of metal around the edge, and it had these sort of metal teeth that you push the money through that never to be seen again. <laughs> um, I mean, so, and, and uh, were, were you uh, were you endowed with pocket money? Did uh, Dad take mm. his job seriously enough to uh, to start teaching you about money early on? No, we yeah, I mean, we we didn't as such have have pocket money. We were give, we were had you know what we needed. Um, purchased for us, um, but I never had a stash of pocket money uh, ever. My parents were actually very frugal, and uh, and really taught us that money matters, and uh, and extravagance is not something that we were brought up with at all. And has that remained a strong influence then? I think absolutely it has. And uh, I'm looking back in terms of the sort of um, focus that that came from being in a family where, where you're in a building society, the, the only things that the building societies did were savings and helping people buy houses. So that definitely did define my view early on is that you saved in order to be able to buy or get a loan for a home. And that pretty much was my starting point. I mean, uh, what's it like being chair of the bank that was once a quarter united? Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's a great privilege actually, and it's um, and, you know, it's it's the business your dad worked for, and now absolutely. you're the chair of this business that you you grew up in as a, as a young yeah, person. Absolutely, it's a great privilege, and uh, and even more so with the with the heritage, the family heritage, and uh, at the moment it's a super exciting place to be, given the fact that uh, we've recently been unleashed from our shareholder, and uh, and we're looking at a like new. Making it sound like it was slavery. No, not slavery, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very different being a subsidiary and being yeah, an yeah. independent pan-African financial services organization. So it's very exciting to be um, building an independent pan-African beast as, as ABSA can be. Well, that was Barclays Africa chairperson Wendy lucas Bone. Those were your best bits of The Money Show for the week. The Money Show on 702. Your number one news and talk station. We get into your brutal biz quiz in just a moment. And the first question, please do call in 011-883-0702-021-446-0567. Your first question for this evening on the brutal biz quiz. Which bank was established in 1982 and initially operated as the Vendor Building Society? All that in just a second. The Money Show. The Biz Quiz. It's the brutal biz quiz here on The Money Show. Which bank was established in 1982 and initially operated as the Vendor Building Society, Terence in Cape Town? Do you have an answer? Yes, I think it's the VPS Bank. That's correct. The Reserve Bank Governor Lise Chakanyaho announcing, of course, on Sunday uh, last week that VBS had been placed under curatorship uh, but would, however, remain operational. Uh, Terence, my second question for you then, and you could oh, be well on your way to be crowned uh, Brutal Biz Champion this evening. Which listed company owns a 45% stake in Cell C? Um, it's what's it, Brett Levy? Um, Blue, 
Blue Telcoms? Blue How Label many? Telcoms? Yeah, definitely. Blue Label Telecoms. Bruce spoke to one of the group yes. CEO, Brett Levy, of course, this week to find out what this company does and just how Celsi now fits into its broader picture. Congratulations on that one. Uh, number three, of which department was Tom Moyane the commissioner before he became the head of SARS? Of which department? Mm. Yeah. The fat one. No? No answer? No, Nothing. I can't even guess. Ah, all right. Sorry for that. For that. Thank you so much, I'll Terrence. For, indeed. Thank you so much. But Dave from Brinston, you have an answer of which department was Tom Moyane the commissioner before he became head of SARS? Was it not the Department of Social Affairs? Sadly not, but unfortunately that is incorrect. Peter from Lakeside, of which department was Tom Moyane the commissioner before he became head of SARS? Um... Telecom. Sadly not. It wasn't a telecom um, on, on that front. So sadly, that is the incorrect answer there. Uh, Mudise, out in Germiston, um, do you have an answer? Of which department was Tom Moyane the commissioner of before he became the head of SARS? It's uh, Correctional Services. That is 100% correct. SARS announced Mark Kingan as well as the acting chief officer of business and individual tax. Um, and that was just hours uh, after it announced that Jonas Magwankwa resigned with immediate effect from the exact same p- position before Tom Mayane was brought in. He was at Correctional Services. Question number four uh, out there for you, uh, Mudise, out in Germiston. What is the legal term to describe the situation when a plaintiff sues a defendant or a number of defendants on behalf of a group of absent parties. It's a class action suit. 100%. Lawyer Richard Spoor announcing this week that he's seeking a class action against Tiger Brands on behalf of the Listeriosis victims. Of which large bank is Wendy Lucas Bull the chairperson? Uh, Absolute Bank. That is 100%. And just your final question, in which city will you find Spotify's headquarters? In in South Africa. Sadly not. That isn't the correct answer. No, no, I want to find out, is it in South Africa or outside? No, it's not. It's It's outside of South Africa. Is it in London? No, it's not in London. In South Africa, is it going to be in Johannesburg, the new Spotify? It is in South Africa. Spotify itself is in South Africa, but the headquarters themselves are not in South Africa. Godfrey, out in Pretoria East, uh, do you have an answer? In which city will you find Spotify's headquarters? In Rwanda? Sadly not. No, they're not in Rwanda. Um, Let me give you a clue. It's in a European country. No? Nothing on that front. Isaac, do you have an answer? In which city will you find Spotify's headquarters? In Switzerland. Ooh, close. But no, it's not in Switzerland. Um, I'm going to have to Sorry, Finland. 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 The city of Stockholm is certainly the one the group launched its very popular streaming services in South Africa this week. You are the Brutal Biz Quiz champion. Thank you so much for playing as well this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Arabi Lekumed. It's been fun. It's been real. This is the business, uh, the, the, the money show, of course, with Bruce Whitfield. Usually, but tonight, it's with me. We'll get back to you in just a bit. The Money Show is brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. Heading on to your news now with Tara Penny. I will chat to you soon.